in our annual missions convention. Uh, that's what we are all about here at New Bethel is missions. We'll be talking about that in just a little while. A lot of times we think of missions, all we think about is missionaries. And missionaries are a very vital part of missions. Don't you know that missions has more, is much more than just the fact of, of giving money to missionaries. So missionaries go overseas or wherever that they, they might go. But missions is so, so broad. Anything, I believe, anything that causes someone to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that's missions. Anything that causes someone even to have the, the seed planted in their heart so that they are able eventually to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that is, that is missions. And here at New Bethel, we, we do all kinds of missions, all kinds of different uh, missions. First of all, I, I don't know what the latest count is. I think it's over 80 missionaries, over 80 missionaries that we, that, that, that we send support to every single month. Every single month. This church sends support to over 80 missionaries who go, who give their life for, for missions. But missions, as I said, is not just about missionaries giving their lives. But uh, we, also, uh, we also give to BGMC, and that's the children's uh, missions. And, and it goes to provide literature for, for children's ministry all over, all over the world. Uh, we give to Speed the Light. Speed the Light is an incredible, incredible missionary uh, tool. It's uh, a part of, uh, of the youth ministry. And, and, and Speed the Light, the funds that are given to Speed the Light, buys vehicles and buys technical equipment. And, and those missionaries, I mean, they, they're just, their hands are tied without vehicles and without technical equipment. Uh, we, we support Light for the Lost. That's the men's department of, uh, of missions, and that buys literature for, for the missionary so that the missionary has literature uh, to minister uh, with. And then we give, we give to disaster relief. Uh, there's a hurricane. Uh, there's uh, some disaster somewhere. We send money. We send funds. We support different disaster relief ministries uh, that go in there and, and they've got food and they've got water and they provide shelter and they, and they help these people. Help me understand it's hard, it's hard to tell somebody that Jesus loves them uh, when they've got an empty stomach. And so, and so we, we give them food to eat and water, clean water to drink. And we provide shoes for people that, that never had any shoes and all of these kinds of things. This is, this is, this is ministry. This is missions and it's exciting to be a part of it. We, we, missions, uh, is benevolence. It's benevolence. How many, how many know that if we give to people all over the world and ignore our own people, something wrong with that? Something wrong with that. And so missions also involves benevolence. And, and, and from time to time, we're able to help someone in our own local congregation who is, who, who, you know, who is really, really struggling financially. We're able to bless them and help them. This is, this is missions. It's missions. We need to have a, a broader mindset of what missions is. Well, there's another, another thing that I'm very, very excited about that we, we do here at, and are part of it, New Bethel, and it's called Special Projects. Special Projects. And I could spend a lot of time talking about Special prog- uh, Projects. It could be building a church, and we've done that. Uh, it could be adding, you know, adding on to a building or, or, or whatever. But there's one thing that is very, very, very exciting that we're a part of, and I've asked my wife to share that today because she has as much a heart for it as, as I do, and we're excited that we are able uh, to be a part of Special Projects uh, and, and that is in supplying Bibles for pastors. Bibles for pastors uh, in other countries that have never had a Bible in their own language. And men, when they get a hold of the Bible, oh, they may have a piece of literature. They may have John, the, the Gospel of John. Or what, but when they get the whole Bible, when they get the whole Bible in their own language, wow, they just light up and they're excited and they are thrilled. Stand, let's honor the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Stand with me, grab your Bible if you have it this morning. Reminding you that there are sermon notes on the back of your bulletin. Make sure and fill in the blanks. It'll help you follow along. It'll also give you something to take home with you. Also honored to have my mom and dad with us in the service this morning. Amen. Let's look in the word of the Lord in the book of Matthew chapter number 25 this morning. The book of Matthew 
chapter number 25. We're going to begin reading with verse number 14. A very familiar passage of Scripture. Yes, it is one that we have looked at before. But it is what I believe the Lord would have us to share today. Matthew chapter number 25 began reading with verse number 14. Read down and include verse 30. Reading from the New Living Translation this morning. The Bible says that again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. Well, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work, earned two more. The servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. He said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Well, the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and he said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. Oh, the master said, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. I'm going to Give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. Well, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why did you not deposit my money in the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest. Then he said, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This morning I am using for my subject, Dream 135. Father, I thank you today because you have given me a dream. You have given me a dream for this assembly. And I'm excited to share this dream. God, I pray today that not only after today will I have this dream in my heart, but God, I pray, Lord, that the dream that is in my heart will get into the heart of your people today. And Father, Lord, may we be commended when we stand before you on Judgment Day. We ask in Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, in this passage, Jesus told a story to illustrate what God expects from our lives. Let me understand that God has expectations for all of us. Let me tell you something this morning. You are not an accident. You are not just the byproduct of your parents' passion. Now, your parents may not have planned you. I don't think I was planned by mom and dad. They, they, they already had other children. They, they, they had plenty of kids already to feed and take care of. I wasn't their plan, but I was God's plan. God's plan. Let me tell you this morning, you are on planet earth because God placed you here. And he put you here because he has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. God doesn't just have a purpose and a plan for me as a pastor or some missionary. Yeah, I can see that. No, I'm telling you that every single individual here today, God has a purpose and a plan for our life. I want us to see what we can learn from this story that Jesus told in Matthew 25. The first thing that I want us to notice this morning is I want us to notice the assignment. Notice the assignment and it's found in verse number 14. Since again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Here's the assignment. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was 
God. In this story, a man calls his workers together and he gives each and every one of these workers some money. Then he leaves town, he goes away, but as he's going, he is expecting, while he's gone, he is expecting his workers to be productive while he is away. Likewise, God has uh, given to all of us time, talent, and treasure. He has deposited these things in all of our lives and he expects us to do something productive with the time, the talent, and the treasure he's deposited into our life. Let let me suggest two things here. First of all, let me suggest that every Christian has an assignment. Every Christian has an assignment. Every child of God has a job to do. Now, your assignment may be different than mine, and my assignment might be different than yours this morning, but all of us have been given an assignment from the Lord. Let me just tell you what my assignment is. My assignment in life includes being a husband. It includes being a father. It includes being a pawpaw. And one of my little munchkins is going to be here for the second service, my brand new Baby girl Eliana, I hope, is going to be here for second service. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a friend. I'm a pastor. I am a leader. I am responsible for how I conduct myself and for how effective that I am in each and every one of these areas of my life. By the way, how are you doing with your assignment? But not only do I believe that every Christian has an assignment, I believe also that every church, every church has an assignment. Now there are several things that that, that God expects out of every single church, but I also believe with all of my heart that God has a special and a unique assignment that He has for each individual church. You say, well, pastor, what what is God's assignment for our church? Oh, thank you for asking this morning. Here is the answer today. New Bethel is a sending church. Say sending church. I believe that God has given us the assignment of sending out the gospel. You say, pastor, how will we do this? Well, the answer is twofold. We will do this, first of all, by sending our money. We are sending church and we will fulfill our mission by sending our money in the book of Romans. The book of Romans, uh, chapter number 10, verse 14 and 15. Paul says, "How, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And he said, how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And he said, how shall they hear unless they have a preacher? And he said, how shall they preach unless they are sent? We are a sending church. It is the responsibility of New Bethel to send the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world. And let me just take a couple of minutes this morning and tell you what we were able to do last year in the area of missions giving. I'm excited about what God is doing. It's actually getting down into the heart of the people now. People are actually grasping the purpose of this church. For the year 2011, New Bethel, our church, us, look around and say us. Us, in the year 2011, New Bethel gave $189,375 to missions. That may not mean anything to you, so let me put it in perspective. Listen to me. Listen, this is exciting. There are over 10,000 Assemblies of God churches in America. New Bethel, in 2011 was number 511 in world ministries or world missions giving. That means that out of 10,000 Assemblies of God churches, New Bethel, our church, us, we gave more than 9,489 of the 10,000 churches. That means that our church is in the top 5% of all Assemblies of God churches in world missions giving. Let me tell you about the Assemblies of God and missions. 
I'm in the assemblies of God. Minister, I was born, raised in the assemblies of God. It's all I've ever known. I'm, I'm assemblies of God. Minister, I'm an assemblies of God. Member this morning. Uh, there's many reasons I am. First of all, that's what my dad was. It's what I was raised in. It's about all that I know. I believe in the doctrine of the assemblies of God. I think we've got a pretty good doctrine. I think we've got an incredible doctrine. But let me tell you the main reason, the number one reason that I'm an assemblies of God minister, and that is because of the assemblies of God effort of mission. Let me tell you something. Listen, this is astounding. Every 12 seconds, say 12 seconds. Every 12 seconds, somebody gets saved around the world because, directly because of the assemblies of God and their missions efforts. Oh, you're dead and all get out this morning. This is exciting. I said every 12 seconds, somebody in the world is saved directly due to Assemblies of God ministry, Assemblies of God missions. Listen to this this morning. It's incredible. One out of every three people that get saved in the world today. Did you hear me? Out of every three people, one out of every three people in the world that gets saved today gets saved because of Assemblies of God missions. Amen. I'm going to have to get out there and shout with you. I'm going to have to preach and shout and do the whole thing today. Amen. Listen, New Bethel has been called by God to be a sending church. Oh, the fingerprints of New Bethel can be found all over the world. Let me tell you something, friend. New Bethel, New Bethel Church. Amen. We are much, much bigger than the 350 people that assemble here on a Sunday morning. Let me tell you that there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of converts all over the world because we have joined hand with ministries and ministers and missionaries that were sent by us. I don't know if you know it this morning, but you're in a big church today. You talk about a mega church, you're in it today. Because we're not 350 people, we are thousands and thousands and thousands. And eventually we're going to be millions strong because we are a sending church. And we're going to get some people sent that's going to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. For several months now, I have been wanting to tell you about a dream that God gave me back in August. Last year at General Council. As I was praying at General Council, as I was seeking God for the future of this church, God spoke some things to me. I've already told you, number one, that God said to me while I was praying, call your church the grace place. Call your church the grace place. Well, I'm happy to tell you that at our annual business meeting this past March, this church voted to change our name to the Grace Place. Our new vision statement is caring people, caring for people. The name change will take place uh, when we move into our new building about 16 months from now. That's not all that God spoke to me. The second thing that God spoke to me He spoke to me about the future of missions in our church. And God spoke these words to me in my heart, not audibly, but in my heart and in my spirit. I heard God say, are you ready to hear it? How many want me to go on? Would you like to hear it? Humor me a little bit. Would you like to hear it? I'd really like to tell you, but I don't want to tell you unless you're excited about hearing it this morning. God spoke these words to me and spoke these words in my heart. Dream one, three, five. I'm not innovative. I don't have great ideas. I'm telling you, God spoke to me. Dream one, three, five. I said, okay, God, dream one, three, five. That sounds cool. I like that. What is it? (laughs) Let me tell you that I've had a dream in my heart for, for several years. And the dream that I've had in my heart was to pastor a church that gave a million dollars to missions. You've heard me say that before, haven't you? 
For years, I've had a dream in my heart to someday pastor a church that gave a million dollars to missions. Let me tell you the facts. (laughs) The facts are our church doesn't even have a million dollar total income. You add up the tithe, the offering, and the missions all together. And our annual income for last year, including every offering, tithe, undesignated offerings, designated offerings, missions, every dime that came to this church last year was $835,000. Now let me tell you, that's a lot of money. And for 350 people, that's above and beyond. It's awesome. It's incredible. It's record-breaking. But how could a church with an $835,000 total income give more than that just to missions? Doesn't add up very good, does it? So I guess I better go pastor a bigger church, right? My wife's the only one said no. I guess I will. Shall I? You're slow, but I'll wait on you. How is that possible? God said to me, dream one, three, five. To fulfill the dream that is in your heart. I'm giving you the dream. It's dream one, three, five. Let me explain it to you this morning. The the one, the one stands for one million dollars. Well, I understand that. That's the dream that has been in my heart for several years now. Yes, that's my goal. One million dollars. God, what does the three stand for? The three stands for three million souls. Three million souls. You see, in the Assemblies of God missions ministry, for every dollar that you give to missions, three souls are saved. So if we give one million dollars, we get three million dollars. Souls, you see, when we talk about dollars, and some of you just have a heart attack when I start talking about dollars. When I talk about dollars, I'm really talking about souls. Because one million dollars turns into three million souls. Can can you imagine that? Can you even get your... Your hands around that? Can you get your mind around that? Can you even imagine it this morning that this church, this local body, this church being responsible and having the opportunity to reach three million souls? Think about it this way this morning. Three million people that will go to heaven that would not have gone to heaven. Three million people that will not go to hell. They will not go to hell because we reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something this morning. That's what drives me. That's what gets me excited. That's what keeps me going. And when people have their little petty things and we have them like every church and when I'm confronted with the little pettiness things that drive you absolutely nuts and crazy and you want to throw your hands up in the air and say, let somebody else deal with all this pettiness. I want to tell you it's because if I can raise a million dollars, amen, I can see three million souls that will not burn in hell but will spend eternity in the presence of Almighty God. And that's what drives this preacher. And that's what gets him up in the every morning, amen. And that's what keeps him Pastor, what does the five stand for? The five stands for five years. Dream one, three, five. One million dollars will reach three million souls and we got five years. You see, you see, if we can average $200,000 in missions giving for the next five years, we can fulfill the dream. 
We can, oh, how about it this morning? How about it, church? Can you dream with me this morning? I said, can you dream with me? Amen. Will you embrace dream one, three, five this morning? Let me tell you that Martin Luther King was not the only one to have a dream. I'm going to tell you this morning, I have a dream. And my dream is, amen, that we're going to give a million dollars and we're going to reach three million souls and we're going to do it in the next five years. Give the Lord a shout of praise in his house today. New Bethel is ascending, church. Not only will we send our money, but we're also, we're also going to send our members. We're going to send our members. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. 15 and 16. Jesus said, go. Say go. go. Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Be condemned. We're going to send our members. We're going to send missions teams. Right now we're getting together a missions team to go into inner city Boston. Give me some of the countries we've been in. We've been in Mexico. We've been in Nicaragua. We've been huh? Belize. We've been in the Philippines. We've been all these places and other places that we've sent teams. We've sent our members. Amen? And we're going to continue to do that. Every year we're going to send teams. Every year we're going to send some of our members. Amen. But listen, friend, I am praying and God is already starting to call people right out of our membership. That they're not going to go on a short term, one week, seven days, five days, ten days. No, no, God is already putting it in the heart. Amen. We've got one right over here. Stand up, sweetheart. There's one right there. She's fixing to go just in the next couple of days. Amen. Carly just got back. Amen. We got others. Amen. And it's going to, I hate to tell you this, Mama, but that may be just a few months this time. But listen, I believe it's going to be more than a few months. She's going to come back and it's going to be so embedded in her heart and in her spirit. Amen. She's going to give her whole life. Amen. And I'm telling you, it's not just you, sweetheart, but I'm telling you that God is going to call and He's going to raise up people. Amen. Get ready for it, Steve. Get ready for it because it's going to start in your youth group. It's going to start with Royal Rangers. It's going to start with Impact Girls. Amen. I'm going to tell you, even some of you old people, God's going to put it in your heart to give the last of your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's point one. Got to hurry this morning. Number two, the next thing I see here is the assets. We've talked about the assignment. Now let's talk about the assets. They're found in verse 15. He gave five bags of silver to one guy, two bags of silver to another guy, one bag of silver to the last guy, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he went on his trip. Understand this this morning. Not everybody works with the same assets. God doesn't give to everybody the same amount of time, talent, and treasure. Well, that's not fair. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Here's the reason. Here's the reason for it. Get your American mentality out of the way. Here's the reason for that. This, this is big. This is, get ready. Say this is big. And it really is. The assets were not distributed according to the generosity of the giver. The assets, the five talent, two talent, the, well, in this version, the five bags of silver, two bags of silver, one bag of silver. The assets were not distributed according to the generosity of the giver. Are you ready? But according to the capacity of the receiver. According to the capacity of the receiver. Verse 15 again, dividing the money in proportion. Say in proportion. Dividing the money in proportion to their, say their, their their abilities. Let me tell you something, friend. Before you get all bent out of shape, before you get all jealous over somebody because of their position or because of their possessions, understand that along with a higher position also comes more responsibility. And with more responsibility comes more stress. And more pressure. And more is expected of us. 
Let me ask you this morning, are you sure you could handle the stress and the pressure of the person's position that you're jealous of? And the same is true of possessions. Jesus said where much is given, much is going to be required. Friend, if you are blessed with a lot of money, if you are, in the, if you are blessed with more money than the average person, listen, friend, you're going to be judged on judgment day with a higher degree of judgment than the person that just received enough to barely get by. Think about that. Think about that. Let me say this again this morning. The assets were not distributed according to the generosity of the giver, but according to the capacity of the receiver. Let me ask this question this morning. What can God trust us with? Jesus said in Luke 16 and 10, He that is faithful in little will be faithful in much, but he is unfaithful in little, he will also be unfaithful with much. And let me help you out a little bit this morning. If you are wasting the little bit that you have, if you're not doing anything with a little bit that you already have, you are wasting your breath in asking God for more. Because until you prove trustworthy with a little bit that you have, only then will God trust you with more. That goes for your money, that goes for your ministry, and anything else God gives you to manage. And this principle works with individuals and as a church. Listen to me, church. What can God trust us with? What can God trust us with? You see, I pray nearly every single day that God will increase the assets of this church. But I tell you, this, friend, that unless we wisely manage the assets that we already have, God will never give us more. The third thing we find here this morning. Wow, the audit. The audit. Verse 19 said, after a long time, their master returned from his trip, called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The audit. The man in his story distributed his assets among his three workers according to their capacity to manage. He left town for a period of time, but when he returned, he called his workers in before him one by one by one, and he demanded an audit. And he asked them, what did you do? with the assets that I gave you. And this isn't the first time and it will not be the last time that I tell you, friend. So it will be with you and me someday when we stand before God. Every Christian, every child of God will stand before God on judgment seat, uh, at the judgment seat of Christ on judgment day and we will answer this question. Jesus will ask us, what did you do with the assets I gave you? And I ask you this morning, will we be happy or will we be sad on judgment? Sad? Sad? I never heard that we might be sad. We're in heaven. Well, I don't have time to preach this this morning, but I think it's the 21st chapter of Revelation. The Bible says God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Amen. They're already in heaven. They're already there. Read it. They're already there. And it's not until they're already there, then God wipes away the tears. So there's, for, you've got to tear off that song out of that songbook. No tears in heaven. There's going to be some. You don't like that theology, do you? Listen, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, for we must all say all. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each, say each, each one may receive the things done in the body. Notice, done in the what? The body. Done while we're here on earth. According to what he has done, whether good or, you can't even say it, or bad. Where's that? Judgment seat of Christ. Mark it down. There will be an audit of our lives. 
And listen, I want to tell you something that just burns in my heart. That's why I preach on it quite a bit, but it's just something that burns. Some of you are only interested in enough of God in your life, just enough to provide you with a fire escape. You're only interested in escaping hell and making it into heaven by the skin of your teeth. And somehow, I don't know where, but somehow along the way you have come to believe that in heaven, heaven will be a place of total equality. That's what you believe. If I can just get there, it'll be one size fits all. Not so. Now hear me clearly, faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is all that you need to enter heaven. The thief on the cross, one prayer, and he got into heaven. But once you enter into heaven, the outcome of your personal audit will determine the degree and the quality of your reward. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to live my life. I want to manage the assets of my time, my talent, and my treasure that God entrusted me with. Oh, in a manner so as not to be embarrassed and not to be saddened at the outcome of my audits. And the same is true with this church. God has entrusted us with many assets at New Bethel. Oh, as members and especially as leaders of this church, we will also be audited as to what we did with the assets of this church. And the main reason why I want to build a bigger building and the main reason why I want to grow a larger crowd is so that I can have more assets so that I can use to win more people to God. My time is up. Number four, finally, quickly, and hurriedly this morning. Let's look at the last thing. And that is the award. And the story that Jesus told two of the workers were deemed faithful and one worker was deemed foolish. Two of the workers went to work and they doubled their master's money. One worker didn't do one cotton-picking thing with his master's money. Each one of these men were audited. And each one of these men were awarded. First of all, there was the foolishness. The foolishness award. I don't have time to read it. Found, write it down. But I think it's in your notes. Verses 24 through 30. Foolishness award. Let me suggest this man was foolish in three areas. First of all, he was, he was foolish in his perception. In his perception. It's not fair, perhaps, he perceived, pointing at the other two men. Oh, he could have said, look, look, he had five bags of silver. Look, he had two bags of silver. Look at me, I only had this one little bitty bag of silver. My master must love the other two more than he loves me, or he would have given to me what he gave to them. No! Has nothing to do with the love of the master. Well, it really does. It really does because the master, because of his love for all three of these men, gave them what he gave them. The master knew that that, that one bag of silver was all that this one man could handle. And by the outcome, it proved he was right. It was because of his love for this man that he only gave him one bag of silver because because more than this would, would prove overwhelming to him. So hear me this morning, church. Stop stop whining about what you do not have. Listen, your whining just proves that you're not ready for more. He was also foolish because of his pretending. Oh, ah, he pretended. He said, he said, I hid my he said, Master, I hid your money so it would be safe. No! No, you hid the money because you were lazy. You hid the money because you didn't want the responsibility that came along with the money. Have you ever met anybody that wanted the position so bad and when they got the position, they didn't do the work? They didn't want the job, they just wanted the position. He was also foolish, number three, because of his presumption. He presumed my boss will understand my inactivity. My boss will be happy that at least I didn't lose his money. But was his boss happy? No. No, he presumed wrong. Oh, oh, his boss oh, was angry with him. Oh, you're a lazy, no good, worthless bum, he said in verse number 26. That's the Benson paraphrase. He said, take the little bit that he has away from him and give it to the man that has ten bags of silver and get this man out of my sight. I can't even stand to look at him. 
Friends, we're fooling ourselves if we think that God doesn't care what we do with the assets that he deposited into our lives. And whether it's our time, our talent, or our treasure, all of us have all of these things on loan to us by God. And we will be audited on Judgment Day, and we will have to answer to God as to what we did with what he gave us to work with. There are two things, friends, that I try and pray every single day. I pray God... Make me fruitful. And God, make me faithful. And friend, I cannot preach this enough. I cannot preach this enough. I cannot stress this enough. Oh, believe me, believe me. On judgment day, when you stand before the Lord, you are not going to be able to look over at me and say, Pastor, why didn't you tell me? I'm going to tell you something else is going to happen on judgment day for some of you that are actually paying attention and actually hearing more than just a sermon and are doing something with the information that I'm giving you, you are going to look over at me on judgment day and you're going to say, thank you. Thank you. When you hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, I gave you a few assets. You were faithful over the assets that I gave you. Now I'm going to make you a ruler. Oh, enter into the joy of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be glad and thankful. You did something with the assets that God deposited into your life. Amen. The worship team could get back in place this morning, please. Wow, I'm over time, but hang on this morning. Then there was the faithfulness award. Matthew 25, 20 through 23. Again, I don't have time to read it. It's there in your notes. And I want to tell you something, friend. This is the dream. This is this this is the award that I dream about. Listen, this is the award I live my life for. I take this very, very serious. Very, very serious. I take my life and I take my ministry very, very, very serious. I know I'm going to be audited. I've been audited once by the IRS. I don't like audits. I ended up having to pay $45. The outcome wasn't bad. I didn't even think I owed that 45, but I said, man, I'll write you 100 if I can just get out of this room. <laughs> I have a dream. Hallelujah. I have a dream. It's dream one, three, five. One million dollars. Three million souls. Five years to reach this dream. I ask you, Will you be a part of this dream? Will you adopt this dream as your dream? Will you let what's in my heart get in your heart? Will you help me reach this dream? If you do, you will share in the award. Wednesday night, we're going to have a missions banquet. Two missionaries are going to share. Don't get nervous. I've given them a 15-minute limit. It didn't work with my wife, but it will work with the missionaries. You say, how does it work with the missionaries? I tell them, if you do it in my time, you get an offering. You do it in your time, you get an honorarium. They always do it in my time think I'm kidding, don't you? No, you don't. I'm not. <laughs> Next Sunday, Randy Hurst, communications director for Assemblies of God World Missions, will be with us. And he's going to challenge us to give to missions. And we're going to take our faith promises for the coming year. Next Sunday. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what he would have you invest every single month into the missions ministry of this church above your tithe. Do not take your tithe and put it in the missions. We've got to have your tithe to pay the bills. We've got to build a building. We've got to pay for that building. And if you take your tithe and put them in the missions, that's not helping anybody. 
It's above your tithe. Say above. Above, above your tithe. Put them into the missions ministry of New Bethel for the coming year. These are not pledges. Because a pledge is a bill. This is not a bill. It is a faith promise. A faith promise says, God, by faith, I promise to give X amount of dollars. Whatever that is that you feel in your heart. By faith, I promise to give this amount of money every single month to the missions ministry of New Bethel. God, if you provide it, I'll give it. Now, if God doesn't provide it, you don't have to give it. But let me tell you something else. If he provides it and you spend it on something else, let me just step back. I don't want to be close to you. My wife's going to pounce on me when I get home, but I have to say it. And the only reason why I say it, even though I get criticized every time I say anything that we do, I just do it so that you know I'm not preaching something to you that I don't practice. It's not to... Say how great we are and tell you, oh, they're real spiritual. No, to let you know that I practice what I preach. This past year, my wife and I made a faith promise of a double tithe. A double tithe. We gave 10% of our gross, not our net. I want the blessing on the gross. So my wife and I gave our, paid our tithe, 10% of our gross salary. We paid as tithe. And then after we paid our tithe, then we gave another of our gross salary to missions. I want to just tell you, friend, that that with the 80% that's now left, my wife can correct me, we don't miss it. We We don't miss it. Why? Because God, just as He'll take the 90% after your tithe and stretch it, He'll take the if you give him 10 more, he'll take the 80. Or you could be like J.C. Penney, who every time God blessed him, he gave 10% more. And when he died, he was given 90% of his income to God, and he was living on 10%. And he wasn't living as a pauper. You can't outgive God. Amen. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. I said that simply to say, I don't ask you to do what I am unwilling to do. You help me fulfill dream one, three, five. Today's altar call is a special missions offering for our missions convention. We're going to have three missionaries total. We've got to take care of all three of these missionaries. We've got to take care of all of their expenses. Give them all a generous love offering. I would also like to have enough money to give to a special missions project like the one Don talked to us about. Last year, we blew it out of the water in missions convention. Last year in the missions convention, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and Sunday morning, this church for missions convention last year gave over $20,000. bar is pretty high. I mean, no pastor doesn't like to lower the bar. Harold Riker told me one time, and he's one of my biggest supporters in the church, but he said, it don't matter what we do, it ain't never going to be enough for you. I said, you're a wise man, Harold. Aren't you glad somebody didn't say, you know, we've won enough people to God before you got saved? Until every person in the world at least gets one adequate presentation of the gospel. It's not enough. It's not enough. If we, if we fulfill dream one, three, five, some of us, and if we, oh, let me say this, if we, if, we, if we reach that 20 grand or more during these three services, some of us are going to have to really step up to the plate. Please ask God what he wants you to give this year in this missions convention. And friend, if we fulfill dream one, three, five, it starts 
right now. Starts right now. Father, thank you for the dream. God, it's not my dream. It's your dream. It's your dream for me. It's your dream for this church. And I really believe and we stand before you on judgment day. We're going to have to give an account. Did we reach dream 135? If we didn't, did we do everything within our power to reach it? Maybe there were circumstances, maybe whatever. But did we do everything to reach the dream that you put in our heart? Father, would you speak to the heart of the people today? They know my heart. They know my heart. They know I can be anointed and sometimes I can be annoying. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. So God, I pray that they wouldn't just hear my heart, but they will hear your heart today. God, I pray, Lord, I pray there'll be some people that'll enter in this year that have never entered in before. They've always let somebody else do it. God, there's some people that can do some substantial things today. Somebody could write a check for $10,000. Somebody could write a check for five. Somebody could write a check for $2,500. A bunch of people could write $1,000 checks today. Dollars representing souls. There are people, Lord, that... When they put $25 in, it's going to be a stretch for them. And I pray their blessing would be great as well. The ushers are coming this morning. We're way, way over time. The other crowd's going to be here in 20 minutes. Amen. Let me just ask you today, make your checks payable to New Bethel. We will divide them up between the three missionaries. Divide them up between their expenses and their give them offerings. We'll take very, very good care of them. Hopefully we'll have money to do a project. All right, go guys, go. Ushers are coming this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we sing? Jesus, I believe in you and I will go to the ends of the earth to the ends of the earth for you Lord of the Son of God, all the world will see that you are God. Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for giving to missions. Also, don't forget to pick up your uh, uh, missions banquet ticket out in the foyer. Have a wonderful afternoon, and God bless you.